0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Our goal in this podcast is to help create better, more knowledgeable HVAC and building performance technicians by helping the two professions better understand each other with the ultimate goal of making customers happy in the homes they live in and the buildings they work in. Building Science Haiku. Eric and I had the pleasure of interviewing Shauna Henderson, a self-proclaimed building science wonk who tries to work to keep it real in the field, but also make it real with online training for builders and renovators. There'll be some links in the show notes to her organization, Blue House Energy. Shawna comes to us with 30 years of experience, dedicated energy efficiency and housing, and her passions lie in building science, energy efficiency, and fostering collaboration for a sustainable residential construction industry. These are some really great attributes and really made the conversation fun. She works on sustainable and accessible designs through her Be Free Homes role, including deep energy retrofits and net-zero energy homes. She's a very experienced presenter at conferences with expertise in deep energy retrofits, solar thermal systems, and authoring sustainable housing books. Let's get into this conversation where Eric and I learn more about Shauna, her work in building science haiku.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Building HVAC Science Podcast. I am your co-host, Eric Kaiser. Virtually next to us today is co-host Bill Spohn, and also our special guest today, Shauna Henderson. Welcome, Shauna.
2: Thank you. Welcome. Welcome to me. Yes, I'm very happy to be here. Excellent. (laughs) I host my own podcast, so I'm often on the welcome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So this is a backwards way for you then, huh?
2: Yeah, I get to actually talk this time. Usually I'm the one asking questions and then having to sit there and bite my tongue, so. Let somebody else talk for a while. Billy, are you going to talk or not?
0: I'll talk. <laughs> Give your tongue some relief in a couple minutes, but tell us about your podcast. What is it and what's the theme?
2: It's called This Must Be the Place. And the theme is wildly variable. Mainly, it's to do with housing and sustainability, energy conservation, and putting everything in context. So I have uh, three seasons under the belt right now. I think 52 episodes, maybe 58, focused primarily with folks who are in the Canadian industry who are doing really good work or who have done really good work and who are either retired or retiring soon. So my goal is to be able to have an archive for people who are new to the industry to say, yeah, don't reinvent the wheel, listen to these folks because they did a lot beforehand and to get a record of those voices And we'll be cranking up season four in January. I had to take a break for all sorts of reasons.
1: That is fantastic because that really dovetails in with one of my ways of thinking, which is that it's cheaper and easier to learn from others' experiences.
2: Absolutely. My goal as a business person is to not reinvent the wheel and to collaborate and build on what's there so that we can move everything forward.
1: Absolutely that is awesome. Stan I like to say standing on the shoulders of those that came before us.
2: Yeah and I think it's really important especially from well there's a couple of things but Canada led a lot of strong initial cold climate building science work. And then we started fading off and Sam Rashkin actually said, "You know, you guys are really good at the science. We're great at the marketing." So here We're going to sell you back the Energy Star program. And to put that into context in terms of how long Canadians have actually been dealing with cold climate and building sciences, it puts us back into the late 60s, early 70s.
1: That's been working on it for a fair number of years now.
2: Yeah. And the interesting thing that I noticed when I first got into it was that there was actually a gap of about 15 years between me. And the people who were ahead of me in terms of building science and who were key in the industry when I first got into it. And now that I've been in it for years, there is another gap behind me. There's a 10 to 15 year gap between people who are my generation and my age and the people who are next in line in terms of coming back up in the industry. And I'm always about looking at patterns and how things are cycling through and Ever hopeful that those kinds of gaps are going to be shortened and eventually just deleted.
0: So, beyond a podcast, you're involved in some educational and training work or a lot of that. Can you describe that for our listeners?
2: So, I am CEO, head bottle washer, and everything else. Well, not quite everything else. I have a strong team behind me of an organization called Blue House Energy. And we have since 2012 provided online education and training in building science and construction technology for the trades. We started out with the glorious ideal that everything had to be in-person and hands-on. And I had a strategic investor who said, you could do this online learning piece. And I said, you can't possibly teach people how to do this work. And he said, you're talking to me about a bunch of scientific concepts that could be really well illustrated online. So why don't you start with that concept? Or that content. So we did. We put up a three-module building science basics course, and then we ran that into 14 modules for construction technology. And now we have several different courses up and running. Most of it is all about cold climate, because that's obviously, as a Canadian, that's where I'm seated. I don't know anything about cooling climates. The only thing I know about that is what I've learned from Alison Bales, (laughs) which is a lot, but still. And now we have somewhere between 40 and 60 hours of recorded lessons for folks to work from. That's a lot of information. It certainly is. So we have construction technology, which is a broad-based, these are the things you need to know about a house. So it goes from everything from building components to building science to the dynamics of building science to structural things you need to know and then how to do air sealing insulation windows, doors, that kind of thing, and then also looks at mechanical systems. So that's the basis of all of our courses, but construction technology is one that is germane to anybody who's in the industry. And then we have a net zero for new construction. And we have a whole house energy retrofit program, which is what I just finished all the work on after the last 18 months. And both of those projects are in partnership with an organization here in Canada that is a sister of the American one called Built Green. Built Green Canada is our funding partner in these two net zero and retrofit courses. And we've just moved over to a new platform too. And I'm very excited to talk about that at some point too.
0: What was that a new platform?
2: It's called Experiencify. And it's a very unique learning management system that is really based on brain science, not how to deliver content online. So there's a fundamental difference. So I'll give you my little spiel about brain science, as well as building science, everything you wanted to know about the two Bs. Our brains like to win. They also like to be in control. And those two things are the things that people who create games understand really, really well. They get you in at a base level. They teach you how to use the platform And then they suck you into a story that you want to continue a journey with. And that's how we're able to structure our courses in Experienceify with a video that teaches you something, and then a worksheet that challenges you to remember and apply what you just learned. And then there's a series of actions underneath, which could be as simple as three quiz questions or more complicated in terms of you need to solve a problem so there's scenario learning as well and each of those things gives you more information and gets you better seated in the understanding of what the topic is and then there's a gamification piece that gives you points for every time you do something so lots of older folks are like i don't know about that like i was introduced to this and i'm like well it's cute but i probably won't use it and then i actually used it as a student i was like oh i get it is this is so anybody who's grown up as a gamer as an online gamer this is just a natural habitat for them
0: very interesting the whole system in canada for energuide rating energy star for homes r2000 can you give us a backdrop of all that i believe that impacts or has impacted what you're doing
2: yeah i actually came out of the r2000 program so i reached started my career in my late 20s, moving out of communications and graphic design into building technology and construction technology. I became an R2000 evaluator and site inspector in the early 90s. And that program was a voluntary program that was put together by Natural Resources Canada to look at how do we cost-effectively Reduce the energy load from a house, from space heating and water specifically, by 50%. So that started in the 1980s, late 1980s, and our friend Joe Stiebrich was one of the founders of that, one of the architects of that whole program. And he was the guy who arbitrarily decided that 1.5 air changes was a good place to target for. <laughs> and then Energy Star for new houses is a 20% reduction from a typical code-built house. And R2000 has faded into the background a little bit now. It was always a voluntary program, and there was some really good uptake, especially here in the Atlantic region where I am. In Nova Scotia, we had the highest per capita completion rate of R2000 houses in the country for many, many years. And that sounds like a bit of a brag, but when you're talking about a couple of thousand houses a year, (laughs) it doesn't put a big dent in. But it meant that our Market changed really quickly. We were way ahead of the game when it came to the Energy Guide for rating system because we were already building R two thousand houses at a higher level, and that challenged the smaller market to lift itself up to the builders who were at the forefront. So we had energy measures in the code provincially before the national code caught up to that. So R two thousand morphed Energy Star as a lower percentage reduction, but still a really popular and ongoing program. And now there's a lot of focus on net zero construction. So net zero being a house that can produce as much energy in a year as it consumes. And I believe, Bill, that you have one of those houses.
0: Yeah, we were able to achieve that here by following a lot of the techniques. I'm sure you're familiar with air sealing. And I say taking advantage of nature with like solar shading and In my case, because we're in a mixed, sometimes cold climate, we have some higher solar heat gain windows than you would use in some areas. So it's designed for the site to optimize things, orientation and all that kind of thing. The process of training people, do they walk away with certifications? Do they walk away with better knowledge to apply on the job? Or is it a mix of those things?
2: It's a mix. So we offer some courses that are we recognize provider as for continuing education and professional development with i can't remember i think eight organizations now so here in canada that's bc housing there are not a lot of organizations in canada that require builders or renovators to have any licensing or continuing education so that's a bit of a challenge within in the states we're a continuing education provider for bpi for nahb aibd which is the association of it's building designers, I can't remember the, what the whole thing stands for. Nate, so that's North American Technical Excellence, which is an HVAC organization, and a couple of others that aren't in my head right at the moment, but
0: CACEA.
2: Yeah, that's Cacea, which is or Casey, which is the Canadian Association of Consulting Energy Advisors.
0: So, is there like a career track in energy advisors. Tell us a little bit more about that. I think we sort of have that here between hers Raiders and. BPI, people that are certified for that, but it seems like to be a little bit more focused as a title.
2: As a title, but you definitely, in the States, you definitely have the bonus points of actually having an established home performance industry. We don't have that. We have bits and pieces of it, but we don't have a national level piece that goes across the board. So energy advisors are third-party verifiers of the energy use of a building. So, it can be a house, a row house, a duplex, or what we call a part nine MERB, which is a multi unit building that is less than 6,000 square feet of footprint and no more than three stories. So, low rise residential can fall under this as well. And so, it's focused on some standardized operating conditions. So, you can compare everything across the board. You're not comparing my frugal energy use to somebody who's just more lavish and doesn't care about how much money they spend and out of that we're able to create a rating a number that shows you how many gigajoules in a year the house would use under those standard operating conditions and it's a national level program and most of our incentive programs in the country require that as a benchmark. So it's a fairly inexpensive way to actually get a house benchmark. Now, it's just like hers and BPI assessments, it leaves some things to be desired because it's always going to (laughs) be, this is going to sound terrible, it's always garbage in, garbage out. So if you have a good rater or energy advisor, you're going to get a good result. And if you've got somebody who's less good, (laughs) it's going to be a less good Result that was very convoluted. I was trying to be really diplomatic about that. <laughs> it's not in my nature, really, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it was very well worded.
2: Okay, thanks. I'm <laughs> better at writing things. Usually my mouth just starts going and I'm like, oh yeah, that was probably a bad thing to say in this audience.
1: <laughs> you made a very true statement. They're garbage in, garbage out. And that's pretty much true for most programs and software and calculations and. It's a very astute statement on a lot of industries today. Unfortunately,
2: yeah, but I think that we have to use the tools we've got because we do need. If you don't measure it, you can't manage it. That's another statement. That's a basically a fact that you can't deny. So, if we can measure things, and even if it's not perfect, we can still make a difference. So, for example, when I'm working with folks in the and I'm using the Energy Guide for houses rating service software, which is Hot2000, I can create an energy model that uses standard operating conditions. And then I can say, so if you were to do this to the building, so maybe change the air tightness rating or increase insulation to the exterior or change a mid-efficiency oil boiler for something else, then I can see a percentage change in that. And so I can apply that. So here's where the modeling comes in is I know that I can model a house so that it will come within 10 to 15 percent of the actual billing for the house but I know all the ins and outs and back end of hot 2000 so I can actually manipulate it but what I can do what you can do as an energy modeler in general is say okay here's the standard operating conditions and here's the shell of the house and the equipment in it and it comes out it this much and if we change these things the algorithm is decent and I can see that I can give you 20 30 50 percent reduction on your envelope heat loss then I can translate that into what that means for you the homeowner what that means for your bills is that you're going to see a substantial decrease in the energy required. so I can look at it that way and then I can actually put some value against so if I can save you a hundred bucks a month for the next five years, what can we do with that 100 times, 12 times five right now? And then maybe in five years time, I'm going to come back to you and say, so remember we talked about a plan for you five years from now, how can I help you out again? Because here's some new equipment, here's new material. We could do this, we could do that. It's time for you to change your siding, anything like that.
1: Interesting. I mean, that's what a lot of energy modeling is supposed to do, I think. I think there's some people that use energy modeling for a, different tactic, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting to me. So I actually was reading through some of your programs here today on the Blue House Energy, and I'm going to switch over to your Blue House organization for just a minute. Sure. I'm guessing those are available to anyone that wants to log on them to them and purchase a course and take those?
2: Yep, absolutely.
1: And mostly geared towards cold climate then, as you said? I saw there's some CEUs now. Do those CEUs apply across the board to the organizations that you mentioned earlier as far as all the courses? Because, of course, we have a varied audience here, both HVAC and building science.
2: Yeah. Nate, for example, just certifies building science and construction technology, I think. And some of our courses are pretty specific to Canada right now in terms of the references to code. So, for example, net zero and retrofit are both Canadian focused. We have a US version of construction technology and building science, envelope fundamentals. And then we have plans reading and construction math as well. And those are interchangeable. There's no code issues there, but for the most part in both our building science course and the envelope fundamentals, there's not a lot of references to code or to, for example, ASHRAE 622 or manual J, those kinds of things. We're not talking that depth of information. In our net zero and our retrofit course, currently they're focused on Canadian code requirements. So there's still a lot of building science and information that's super helpful if you're working in a cold climate. We talk about things like what happens if you have a split insulation wall. So you've got insulation in the cavity and then you've got outboard insulation. You still need to understand why you would choose a certain depth of insulation to the exterior. And you also need to know why you would choose a permeable or non permeable material. So the fundamentals are there. And in 2024, we'll be working on making that into a, both of those into US versions as well.
1: Oh, very cool. That'll be neat to see. You talked a little bit about this. You just got done rewriting a whole bunch of stuff. For what do you say, 18 months you've spent writing on this? Tell us a little bit about that.
2: About the fact that my life was like absolutely consumed by writing a course, two courses, several courses. What we just released was our retrofit course, and we rebuilt some of our existing content to insert in that. So our building science course is now more robust. And so that's included in the retrofit course. But the retrofit course is quite broad we tried to create a pan-canadian version of a course so we talk about a wide range of issues when you're retrofitting a house what do you need to understand in terms of a whole house retrofit so we're not talking about when we touch on piecemeal like room by room renovations but there's a Distinct difference between approaching a retrofit from, oh, I'm fixing up my kitchen now, so I'm going to throw a little bit more insulation or a better window into the kitchen, and what am I going to do with the whole building? How do I improve the whole building, the fabric of the building? How do I increase durability? One of the things that we looked at in retrofit is what does it mean to talk about a resilient house? So if you're changing the fabric of the building, for example, you're putting new cladding on the outside. Not only does that have to be a durable finish, but depending on where you are, you might also want to work with your client to consider that you need to make that so that they have a better opportunity to get the hell out of Dodge if they are hit by a wildfire, for example. So there are materials that are better suited if you're in a wildfire zone than others, and then We also talked about, so we focused the main part of the course on the bulk of conventional housing in Canada that's in climate zones four through the bottom part of 7A. Once you get past there, then you have a very different approach because 7B and 7 eight are the north. They're the far north and they have the building. Science is the same, but the dynamics are different. It's like the difference between where you are, Bill, and Georgia. The building science doesn't change. The physics are the same, but the dynamics of what's happening in the house.
0: The magnitude of those factors.
2: So we focused on being able to say, okay, here's the bulk of housing in Canada was built 1920, 25 to 1980 with the sweet spot of houses that are very similar, built from 1940-ish to 1980. We have house types that are the same in the U.S., You've got a bungalow, you've got a side split, you've got a split entry, you've got a two-story house on a basement, you've got a crawl space or a basement, you've got some things that are gonna be the same. So we can do a lot in terms of how are you gonna fix those houses up? So that's the first big piece of the retrofit course. And then the second piece is we have special cases. So we have heritage houses, we have houses that are older and built on rubble basements. And then we have houses that got some solid stone houses and we've got some solid log houses and we have those are in different parts of the country so those are special cases and then we have the third stream which is northern housing which is focused on what do you do if you're in those higher latitudes and in in extreme cold weather or climate
1: that's the course on your site called on the blue house energy site called whole house energy retrofit am i
2: reading that yeah we have a free trial on that actually so you get you can jump into a portion of it for three days for free. So you can just check out the new platform and also what the content's like.
1: Cool. That's pretty neat. That goes through, I'm envisioning in this in my mind because a few of the projects that I've worked on have been piecemeal projects where you put together a whole plan in the beginning and then the homeowners a lot of times can't afford to do all of that at
2: once. That's right. Because it's, yeah, you're looking at 50 to a million, depending on the house. Maybe not a million, but definitely more than most people's annual salaries.
1: (laughs) Yeah. On some houses, it depends on what you're doing, but for sure, right? It can get quite expensive to do some of these retrofits to various houses, especially as you started talking about in there, when you start talking about historic houses and things like that, that gets pretty crazy. But just general housing, I found that A lot of times people will say, like you said, we're going to go do this room, so we're just going to fix that room. But they never really have an entire plan of, okay, once I'm done with that room or what should I do with that room so that it fits into the puzzle of the rest of the house. And that's where that bigger plan, I think, comes into play. So I'm guessing that part of this course is maybe developing that bigger plan.
2: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at a phased roadmap. So I think this is also, so there's two things. For a homeowner, it's really difficult to come up with a giant chunk of coin to fix a house. And as a sidebar, it's way more expensive to build new. It's about 40%. If you've got an existing house, you can retrofit it for about 60% of the cost of building new because you don't have to deal with any. And still get the same performance. And still get the same performance. Yeah. So it really depends. So one of the big things about retrofits is we lose sight often of the fact that people live where they live because they love the house and they love the neighborhood. They love where they live. They want to stay put. So we need a little bit of a different variation on how we perceive why people would stay in a house. So there's a cost to the homeowner if you do everything at once. But I think that there's a really excellent opportunity for contractors and renovators to consider using a roadmap as a business model. So if I come to you and I say, we agree that we're going to work together to do your kitchen renovation, and I'm going to do some work on doing some weatherization or new window, whatever it is, we're going to do that this year. But I'm going to create a plan for you that's going to be something that you could do, you could carry out over 5, 10, 15, 20 years, your kids could carry out, it doesn't matter. But as a contractor, it means that I can actually work with you to schedule when those things are going to happen. So you're going to get this work done first, and then I'm going to give you a shout in three years, if that's okay with you, and we'll talk about the next phase. So if you as a contractor had 10 clients like that, and you laddered them every year, you have now created a business where you have to do minimal marketing, just do minimal sales work, and you know what's coming up. So even if Half of those clients actually follow through. You still have a sustainable business that you can stay on the tools and you can do the work as opposed to hustling up more work, more jobs.
0: That roadmap concept, is that illustrated somewhere in your training? Yep. Okay. Which course? Because I think that's a powerful.
2: In the retrofit course.
0: Retrofit course. Okay. Yeah. How about from the aspect of consumer learning? Do you provide any resources or things for consumers organize their thoughts because they probably have a lot of thoughts about this topic, but they don't have a lot of truth except social media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, people and YouTube, YouTube videos are terrifying.
1: Some of them are pretty decent, but there are some scary ones out there too.
2: Yeah. And that's also what we do in the courses in our new platform. We actually have a curated resource page and it's built in a relational database so you can actually filter it. So if you were very interested in something specific like impermeable insulation you can sort through that and it will actually show you pdfs links to blog articles links to youtube videos by people that we know are qualified experts so you don't have to go searching for junk or searching through junk to find the gold It's something that we've been discussing, but it's not our prime business model. And there's quite a bit of effort to pull back and say, okay, what's technical and what's consumer based? Probably in 2024, we'll probably start to build out some of that. But as a small business, we are focused on improving the building industry. So taking a trip down consumer education is a little challenging for us because we are a small team.
0: But you did have someone who has made the book, the home comfort book. You had Nate Adams on. Yeah. On your podcast a while ago, because I was scanning through your podcast earlier and, and I got a bunch of great guests there. Do you think he's crossing that bridge to consumer education?
2: Absolutely. And we're actually licensing content from him because he's got a great amount of, like, the assets that are in his courses are fantastic. And that might be something that we could collaborate with Nate. As well. So, like I said, I'm just coming up for breath out of 18 months of being so focused on this one course and moving up our stuff over onto the new platform. So, eight months of just there's like the last eight months have been insane as we've just been like a big push to get everything over. Once we get now that we're over there, now I think we'll be able to focus on more collaboration and partnering and not reinventing the wheel. Which course has the sampler
0: in it you mentioned?
2: It's the retrofit course, the whole house energy retrofit, and it's the last module. And the questions I'm getting from you are triggering things in my head. It's like, well, that could be a piece that is part of our promotional. We could put that out as part of our promotional work. And certainly as I'm getting back into blogging and putting things on LinkedIn and have great plans for all sorts of YouTube videos. Then that's going to come out as well. But yeah, using, when we're talking about retrofits, building out those plans is going to be key. And creating, this is something I talked to Ben Reed about a while ago this idea of we talk about the whole house system, but we need to pull back and we also need to talk about the whole business system for this industry because we have silos. Or we have sides or we have whatever sections. We have the HVAC folk over here. We have the building envelope folk over here. We have folks who are like only new construction. We have folks who are only cosmetic renovations. And they don't match up and they and the people who suffer are clients, our homeowners who aren't getting the full package. Absolutely.
1: That was something I was really interested to hear in here because creating that whole package is to me, if I flip that around from a homeowner perspective. As a homeowner, then I would have this whole package sitting in front of me and say, the contractor that developed that package with me or that I worked with, they go out of business or they retire. Now, as a homeowner, I have a package to go forward, or maybe I want to get multiple bids or multiple ways of doing it or, or something changes.
2: Yeah. And that piece is based on how I made a living for the last 20 years. So I would put together a homeowner package that would be a retrofit roadmap, basically saying we're going to break this down into viable chunks for you. So is it ten dollars or $15,000 at a shot? What can you do best? How do you ensure that you're not short-circuiting anything you want to do five years down the road or might want to do five years down the road? So here's the balance of what it's going to look like in terms of your energy savings and what it's going to look like in terms of your financing. That's essentially what I did for all of my consulting career. So building up those packages has become second nature to me internally. And the cool thing is that while houses are all different and people are all different and how they interact with their buildings are all different, houses have a limited number of components. And my favorite way of talking about them, which is people are going to go, what? Is they're like a haiku poem. So if you know what that is, there are three lines, there are 17 syllables, three, I'm going to mix it up. Five, seven, five. Seven, five. Thank you. Five, seven, five. And each line has a specific thing that it addresses, the scenario, some sort of action and a fulfillment. That's all. But there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of renditions of a haiku poem. And so that's how I look at houses. There's structure and there's components and there are requirements that are in there because of building codes and we get to play inside of those rules. So it's viable to actually create a package. I can say that I could put together a package for a 1500 square foot bungalow that was built in 1970. And the only thing I need to vary for that anywhere in Canada and this is just a thought exercise, is what material I'm gonna put on the exterior to improve that insulation and how thick it's gonna be. That's an insulation package. What are we gonna drop our air leakage to? What's our air leakage target? And then what's the best way to optimize the mechanical systems? There are literally millions of houses like that across Canada. So I could create a package that would be viable across the way and then just all we need to do is plug some numbers in there if it's 1500 square foot house and it has this much wall space then it's like this it is bigger log just change it just change it
1: make minor adjustments for that situation but you've got the base package down already
2: yeah and you definitely need somebody on site with a blower door so we can actually see and determine what the air leakage rate is and if we need new mechanical ventilation and then be able to benchmark how we're doing things So that's where the haiku piece comes in. That's one package.
0: (laughs) I like to say about a lot of things, they are finite. They're not infinite. Sometimes people look and they say, this is just way too much to consider. And it's, no, they are finite. And especially if you have either experience or a structure, like you said, to lay it into, then you can become to simplify things. We interviewed someone for the podcast yesterday, and they had a periodic table of careers in the trades, which I thought was pretty cool. They had broken it down into various columns and various rows, and it gives you a way to think through all that.
2: My head went to a value chain, and I actually created something several years ago that actually is a flowchart that shows where, how everything is connected from the realtor to the building inspector to the developer and everybody in between.
0: Very cool. Thanks for getting us all caught up here.
2: Mm, thanks for having me.
0: Sure, and do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners?
2: (laughs) How much time do you have?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have a structure. You have components, and Eric's got requirements. So (laughs) let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Got to be haiku. How's that?
2: Yeah, I just think we are potentially at a tipping point. I mean, you've got the is it IRA IRA money? Mm Yep. Yeah, we have the Greener Homes Initiative that just announced that they're running out of money for five thousand dollar grants three years earlier than I thought, but that's another sidebar. But I think we're at a we need to emphasize for folks that we're at a tipping point. Building codes are changing. High performance houses are on the market, are going to start being sold on the market. And anybody who's in an older house who can't match or compete with those high performance houses are going to have lower values for resale and longer selling cycles. If you're selling energy retrofits, that's a great point to start from. It's like, well, are you going to sell the house? Then this is why you would want to do that. And then the other, if you're going to stay in the house, this is how it's going to make your life better. And we have all sorts of non-energy benefits that we can talk about, which is comfort levels, health levels, resale value, all those things just tie in. Interesting perspective. Are you familiar with Pearl certification? I am. Yeah.
0: That's designed to be a way to capture that value for future real estate transactions.
2: Yeah. I think it's one of the things that we lose sight of is that people are like, but I can get a house down the road. It's on the market and it's like $270 a square foot or whatever it is. And it's like, but what does that mean in the future? If you're juggling this older house or this newer house to give value to something, you need to look at the future as well as the past.
0: We need one of those reality TV shows where people are doing that <laughs> 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 to illustrate the decision making. Thanks again, Shauna, for coming on this morning on the podcast. And we look forward to expanding your message through this podcast. Thanks very much, Shauna.
2: I look forward to it. And then we'll talk again soon. Take care. I'll have you on my podcast. How's that?
0: That's great. Appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast, where we spoke with Shauna Henderson. There's a lot of other great trade related resources out there and influencers, including HVAC Overtime, HVACR Videos, Homediagnosis.tv, AC Service Tech, MeasureQuick, HVAC Chicks, The Misfits of HVAC, The HVAC Grapevine, HVACR School, of course. HVAC shop talk, Stephen Reardon, HVAC reefer guy, tool pros, service business mastery, and quality HVAC. I also host the Res Talk podcast, where you can learn more about the world of home energy ratings and peripheral topics. If you like what you heard today and did not subscribe, please consider doing so, and give us a rating in the podcast app if you have that and you use that. If you're interested in feeding back on this podcast you can contact us at marketing at trutechtools.com. T-R-U-T-E-C-H-T-O-O-L-S dot com. If you're in the market for tools or test instruments, take a look at what True Tech Tools, my company, has. T-R-U-T-E-C-H-T-O-O-L-S dot com. You can use the offer code HVACBS for a nice discount. And full disclosure, I'm a co-owner of TrueTech, And the opinions voiced in these podcasts are those of my guests, or myself, or my co-host, depending on who is speaking, of course. As always, thank you for listening to and following us on the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Until next time, take care.